0: Uh, now you're yeah. stretching.
1: I'm so stretching. This is what this is what it's all about. I just uh, we started recording and I, I just said to just said as Dan Duran came on the broadcast, I said, "What if you were from Iran? Then you would be Iran's Dan Duran, right? Iran's mm-hmm. Dan Duran, Iran's Dan Duran.
0: He's Iran's hey, what, Dan Duran. <laughs> what? What? what <laughs> he will not stop. Hey, what happened? Uh, I, I've been waiting on like hold for ten minutes to get in. The, the, uh, you know I why? Because
1: Here's what happened. I, we Freddie and I were talking, and, and usually we go and get coffee at a certain point just before we start recording, and then we oh. we delayed that. And then I said, oh, shit, Dan's going to—I I, I, could have let you in, and then I went and got the coffee instead.
0: Okay. I was just um, wondering, because it was so close to the time we normally no, start, I know. We're starting. you weren't letting me in. I, I mean, yeah. we're here listen well i know I was, I was you know if you guys are having some sort of you know private conversation of course that made me want to know what were you talking about but you well, know
1: Dan. Uh, we got we're talking about the reaction from yesterday's uh summit series discussion and um uh, we had some reaction actually and you know if you're asking he's asking it's about oh, he's it, asking yeah you
2: know, it's about it you was- you know, it was 50 years ago this September. Hard to believe 50 years ago. We were all in our sort of mid-teens.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were... So, in 1972, being the youngest, I was 12. I was pre-bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think about the stages of us as young men. I was 12. Dan was 14. You were 16. So, in the, in the mm-hmm. sort of whatever that stages of man poster... You know, Dan would have been just beating off relentlessly. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you would have been well into like, you know, almost ready to have uh, grown up relations. And yeah, I would have been really 12- long showers. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I would have been 12 years old. Little Howie wondering what all these feelings were and why sometimes I woke up and the sheets were wet. Oh. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, hey, Fred, yeah. I just like to put things in for per- uh, No, okay? I know.
2: And well done on that score yeah. And it was your mum that had to deal with the crusty sheets mm-hmm.
1: I feel so mm-hmm. bad for Luba Can you imagine Our m- poor mothers the Luba. <laughs> Our poor mothers
2: And part that The towels were all crusty and, yeah. and part of that is They don't say anything Because they know that's you know, the development The evolution of a young man Sure they do Because they're young. they were young women If anything, they're upset that their child is now, like, reaching puberty and Mm -hmm. becoming a young adult, and that's sort of sad. You know, it's interesting. The actual actual cleanup, it's, you know, just part of it. Mm -hmm. it, For for young women. Go ahead,
0: Dan. I was going to say, this is also the stage you can really screw a kid up, you know, one way or the other. You start talking about it the wrong way. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because a young
1: woman signals her crossing over into adulthood by... You know, her first menstruation, you know, as a physician, that's what we call them, you know, yeah. it, but I'm just saying that it, it involves sort of having something leaking. And of course, for young
2: boys, mm-hmm. once it yeah. starts, it's just nonstop leaking for years. The only thing my mother ever said to me was, Freddie, do you really want to be fucking that teddy bear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the only thing she ever said. Was it a Leafs mascot that you just aggressively made
1: love to during your oh boy formative years? Like really? Yeah, come on, Fred. Fred, that's the family Fred. teddy bear. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Like, I I felt bad for Luba because you know I, you know, at first you're like, okay, maybe she won't notice. But when right. you can't un, you know, you can't unwrinkle the sheets, and it's like you're sleeping on, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking
0: about. Bless, oh yeah,
1: you know. And you were the youngest of three boys. So oh yeah, she's been through. This. <laughs> sure. Well, I was thinking that the other day that I'm 62, and you know, 50 years ago, not only was the Team Canada Summit Series on, but that's probably the around the time that I started to explore my own. Mm -hmm. you know self joy (laughs) and then i thought well if that's the case i'm celebrating my 50th anniversary of you know whacking off there should be a letter from me and the at some really the prime minister should be like dear
2: mr glassman Mm -hmm. on the occasion of your anniversary (laughs) (laughs) that would be his that would be every day all day writing those letters out (laughs) i know (laughs) Um, I've been doing it longer than I've been driving. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I would hope so. Yeah, man. Uh, but uh, speaking with Scott yesterday, uh, we didn't get into where were you when the big goal was scored. You remember, yes. right, Howard? Of course. Where were you? Um,
1: game eight would have been, would that, but would that have been during, I remember one of the, one of the goals we, that he scored, we were in school but I don't know if the last one we were in school.
2: Well, you, it was mid-afternoon, so I All the games were on during the day because of the time difference, but yes, goal eight or game eight, the big Henderson goal to win the championship was would have been, I think around three o'clock, uh, Toronto time.
1: So we were all, all, all I remember, and again I'm 12, but I remember watching the games in the hallway. And that it was a, it was so special that the uh, old TV on the on right. the uh, um, rollers, with well, the wheels came out, and that's where I watched it.
2: Yeah, my mom let me uh, stay home from school that day, and I ended up going across the street to the bully's house, not Maureen Bully, who we used to work with, her cousin, Brad and Bob and Bud and Barbara, the mm. four Bs. Interesting, interesting detail for the audience, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they used to have this uh, maid, and she'd stand out in front of the house and go, Bradley, Bobby, Barbara, Buddy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) they were all bees for some
1: reason. The bullies Um, all had, they they named all their children bees, except the daughter. No, she was Barbara. I thought Maureen. No, no, this is their cousins. Oh, the the bullies' cousins. Oh, I'm sorry, I got caught up in the story.
2: Buddy, Bobby, Bobby, Bradley, Barbara, and they named their dog Bambi yeah it was really weird all these beasts but anyway i digress i was in there did house. you yeah
1: i went along with it and i was fascinated by the cousins go ahead
2: <clears throat> no no and when he scored there was a bunch of us in the rec room we we're all just running around and banging into each other and no. jumping for joy it was fabulous here's a little, a little taste bit. go ahead Oh, well, doesn't Dan get the same. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, Dan. Where were you? Were you... uh goal was scored. The most significant goal in Canadian hockey history. I don't know.
0: I have no idea. I have you no seriously,
1: have no recollection of it, you would have been 14. Uh, were you still in school or are you already dropped out to seek your fortune? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was...
4: Maybe Dan was, was at working. at uh,
0: Emmy Lizard Composite High School and... Uh, at fourteen, no, I wouldn't have been. I would still be. I be a bald, bald one. Uh, junior high. Wow. No, nope, I, 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 I don't know. It wasn't that important to me, so it doesn't register, like you know. So here's all some the of, other things. Well, and, and that's fair. You know, like Is it. it?
1: Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it there's,
1: explains a lot, doesn't? But no, it? but there's it's a, there's a fascination with the fact that it didn't mean anything to you, and that doesn't make you please the next couple of minutes. Understand, this isn't meant to make you uncomfortable, but this is, in fact, a fascination among the Humble & Fred audience. Uh, Here's somebody who said, Dan must be the only Canadian of the baby boom generation to have been completely oblivious to the 72 Summit Series. While teachers across the country are wheeling TVs into their classrooms and workplaces grind to a standstill so employees can huddle around TVs, our beloved Dan Duran is just out there by himself wandering around, maybe stopping occasionally to scrub some moss off a rock with a toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Completely unaware of what's going on in the country that day. It was a fascinating observation this morning to learn that even as a kid, at that moment, (laughs) that moment completely unfazed him. (laughs) And I responded, yes, it was both interesting and bizarre at the same time, which kind of sums up our boy. My question was going to be, what were you doing? (laughs) Like, we both know, I know vaguely where I was because I watched every Mm. game that the the school would allow. I was just like, I, I couldn't get... So where – you don't, and you don't remember, were you chasing gophers or
0: – No, I don't have a recollection whatsoever. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of the series and probably more so after, you know, as you learn pop culture. But, uh, you know, it probably was a thing where it was like, okay, well, I don't really care. I'll go, you know, do whatever I'm doing. Yeah. See,
2: that, that term is interesting, learn pop culture. I mean – you lived that event. You didn't learn that event. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no,
0: but it wasn't important to me,
2: right? I, I, like, again, but, not
0: what, everything is important to everyone.
1: But,
2: I get it. Man. But you don't remember that day, Tom, your brother, being excited that Canada had won the series, or maybe your dad, you know, having some uh, interest in the world around him going, oh, that was pretty good by those boys. No? Nope. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Oh, no. All right. Well, listen. You know, your dad was getting ready for a, another day with Jesus, and
2: uh, well, maybe your dad was responsible. He prayed to the Lord, and they won. Maybe
1: anyway, there is some, <laughs> but, but just understand there uh, there is a degree of fascination around that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I thought would be fun for you guys to uh, just have a little sample of one of the biggest songs from 1972.
3: She packed my bags last night. Pre-flight. Zero hour, 9
1: In fact, all the uh, transition music today on this program be will be brought to you by the year of our Lord, 1972. Right the year that Dan Duran discovered not giving a shit. You know what I actually like? That. I like that about you. It's just part of your charm for me, man. Because uh, you. Uh, you know what? Listen, I can't. We can't change him. Yeah. You you, know, you yeah. can't. The one thing about Dan, he's being honest. He's not going to say I'll make up some story. I love that about him. You know, you and I would be like, oh yes, oh. now I remember. I was collecting. You know, something. I was doing oh. a charitable thing from a daddy's church.
2: I would have pulled something off the top of my head to make myself look normal.
0: <laughs>
2: that's pretty much the mantra of every show we
1: do trying to find ways to make ourselves look normal alright is the uh, I, like I said it was a, it was a great interview I enjoyed that interview with uh, Scott Morrison very much just because I'm fascinated by his book and fascinated by the subject matter I even sent him a little note after saying hey that was great we loved having you on the show
2: yeah he's a good boy uh, he's a very good boy yes and I was going to ask him the one question I told you I had written down was: had he done a death count? How yeah. many of those players are still alive? Because fifth, you know, they're all in their twenties, early thirties at the time, fifty years ago. I bet you half that roster's dead, maybe. Well,
1: it's funny you bring that up because I was reading that Phil Esposito forward, and I thought, well, what in 1972 he would have been in his somewhere in his twenties, so he's got to be somewhere in his late seventies.
2: Yeah, um, he does color on. Uh, he does color on uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, radio broadcasts. Well, was he not the general manager, coach, general manager of yes. the TBLs? Yes, he, does he anyone helped call- get them off the yeah. uh, off the ground. Like he, right uh, day one, he was involved. Did he
1: win? I think he won. They won a Stanley Cup under his.
2: I don't no, know. I don't no, think maybe so. Not. Okay. Now that uh, was two thousand four. Um, by the way, that Rocket Man, that album. How Much I love That Album, Mm -hmm. and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road.
1: Honky Chateau is on that. I think that's the album, Honky Chateau. And
2: and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road (laughs) hadn't even come out yet, and How Much I love That Album Even More.
1: Dan, do you remember where you were when you first heard about Elton John? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember? Here's the thing. My theory about Dan, maybe 72, he was taken back to his uh, home planet. You were probably wanting to get into radio by 72, though.
0: Yeah, I do remember uh, the uh, the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album. Yeah, I had, uh, uh, I don't know, I, w- I was in charge of setting up the sound system for some, you know, dance or whatever. Of so course. I had picked yep. up the rental equipment and brought it to my house uh-huh. before taking it to the school. I thought, well, I'll just set it up because my parents had the worst sound system ever. They, it was like a one speaker record player kind of thing, oh, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I remember setting it up. And the neighbors complained because it got so loud. And I, you know, I had the perfect stereo tri- triangle and cranked that song, just and played the uh, that that album, that whole album. Mm-hmm. I remember playing and just laying on the floor listening mm-hmm. to that album. Yeah, that, that was the summer first time Dan ever made love to a mixing board. <laughs> hey,
2: you know, seventy two, those mid seventies, that was when everybody took the step up and got themselves a Lloyd's stereo system. With the built-in eight-track, like, all my friends, finally we got one. All my friends had got them, and they were in the living room of everybody's house, and then we finally got one with an eight-track. And my goodbye, Yellowbrook Road was an eight-track. Of course, changing channels halfway through songs. Mid-track, no, exactly. yeah, I hated those things. Uh, wait, yeah. Well, the
1: Glassman's of uh, Henry Street, whenever that fancy, Yeah. Uh, and i'm trying to remember I, I had a car somewhere in the uh, vancouver years i think that had an eight track And obviously the memories of that is every time you hit a bump it switches it, it didn't the the stability of the the switching mechanism i don't think yeah. they didn't quite figure that out <laughs> uh-huh. um all right daniel uh yep all the memories of 1972 coming at you today on the humble and fred show
0: This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the western shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bow Dog, Health Gauge, and our newest sponsor, Hush Blanket, with their 100 night guarantee. And now here are two men who are reminded by the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court leak of the humble versus Fred leaks. Who leaks more? <laughs> humble or Fred?
1: Very well done, Dan Duran. Uh, you mentioned Health Gauge, you know, one of the things that Brian Goldman brought up, our interview guest on Monday. Great show, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to that. The guy's very entertaining. He's talking about their, uh, there's a number when your blood oxygen, if you have COVID or COVID symptoms, and if your blood oxygen drops below a certain level, normal is about 95. Most of us would have that. If you get into, well, what was the, um, God, I shouldn't have started this, because he was talking about something, a symptom of something where it dropped down, Some a patient of his dropped into the 40s, the blood oxygen level crashed. The point I'm trying to make, you know, if you just want to get one of those fitness washes, this it ain't going to keep track of this. It's called a health gauge because it gauges, you know, health. And uh, right now, the Phoenix is what we're wearing, and it does blood oxygen. It does all the Fitbit stuff, but it does so much more. You want to know your blood pressure right now? You don't have time to go to shoppers. If you're of a certain age, there are certain things you want to keep track of, certainly, each and every day. And now you can go to healthgauge.com. Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout. And I just remembered I had taken a screen cap of uh, another one of our listeners that is that's buying. And I know what it was. It was Mike McCuliff. I, I had mentioned Mike mm-hmm. is uh, from uh, Buffalo. Mike is buying his watch and uh, we think he should too. humble Fred HG for 15 percent off at uh, checkout. Please go check it out. In the meantime, check this out.
2: Uh, <clears throat> it's Wednesday. The retirement Sherpa will not be here today. Tim a Portfolio Manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim is out in Vancouver, part of a peer presentation about business development, as they had one of the fastest growing practices in Canada last fiscal year. And why? Why is that? Because of their awesome clients, because of their fantastic team, because of their powerful resources inside and outside of Raymond James, because of their U.S. licensing, and the retirement Sherpa branding. And Tim wanted to say he's thinking of us all. Uh, He's out in Vancouver celebrating their accomplishments, and he wants everyone to know that Humble and Fred works. That was part of the success as well.
1: Well, isn't that nice? What a sweet man. And if you were a uh, kid listening to the radio in the early 70s, this song was on. In fact, I started in radio formally in 1977. This song would have been kind of a recurrent on our roster, but we played this a lot. We played this, and uh, another one I played a lot of uh, was this one. Listen. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's going to be a hot day in... Saskatchewan today. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. Here's Seals and Crofts. Summer Breeze. C-H-A-B.
0: See the curtains hanging in the window.
1: I don't know why I imagine that's how I sounded. But if I sounded like that, I don't know how I got a job.
0: (laughs) Hey, everybody.
1: (laughs) Saskatchewan Super 8. (laughs) C-H-A-B.
2: I'm sure everyone says that. You know, you you listen back and think, wow, I sounded different.
1: Listen, we played some clips of our show recently, and I'm like, what?
2: I keep wondering
0: if those clips, like, if it was like the machine that was recording was off, because they all sound a little bit like higher pitched than us. So it sounds like it's like sped up a little bit, right? Yeah, who knows?
1: knows? Yeah, but it's funny. I mean, I hear your two voices on that clip that Boone played a few weeks ago, and you know it's to my ear you sound younger but similar but when i hear my own voice i sound younger and i don't
2: know weirder i don't doesn't well that's just that self uh, you know that self-critical analysis thing that we all have like same reason i you i think have said it too you hate looking at yourself on television i don't like listening to myself you know on any on anything really yeah, I don't even like looking at people that look like me on TV yeah. um, <laughs> even, you know what you know what I find fascinating one thing just to back up a bit that 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 story you read from the listener who was sort of blown away that Dan didn't know about. How did he know that Dan likes to scrub moss off rocks with toothbrush? I didn't didn't get that
3: reference. I
2: I didn't get that reference. I I thought you guys might have known, but
1: I didn't get it. Because I don't know these listeners like you two do. (laughs) Yes, he does. I I think that person knows you. Dad, what is that person
0: uh, referring to scrubbing moss off rocks with a toothbrush? (laughs) I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a stickler for clean things, and I don't know. No, but walk I me know. through
2: that process. I don't know what he's Well, saying. no, th- actually, those stories are conflated. Ah. For example Love that he word. He scrubs moss off rocks with a with a broom, but he cleans the table in his trailer, like the little grooves and stuff, with a toothbrush, where he couldn't get in to get, you know, complete completely yeah. clean little crevices and grooves. He'll use a toothbrush. Speeds out the process. Yeah. Mm.
1: You know... Everyone knows that Dan and I and Fred are friends. And Fred and Dan are, are close. You would go to the trailer every year. My, my history with Dan goes back a few years earlier and like to Moose Jaw. But Dan and I were roommates. I don't know if that is apparent to everyone. But we were roommates for a couple of years. We had such a good time. Part of our goodness was uh, we would get stoned every night and watch Star Trek. That was what we Fred. did. But I don't recall you being and correct me if i'm i'm wrong super like fastidious and and very clean like i cuz my recollection is we were both kind of a, a a level of
0: just not super messy not dirty but messy can yeah that's true that's true i i think i developed my uh my cleaning habits and 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 all of that much later in life but i was more uh, nitpicky about things like like the the minutiae small things would would fascinate me at the time huh. you know like but it would have, but the attention would have been more about radio or technical equipment or something like that right mm-hmm. and understanding I, all that stuff as opposed to <laughs> trying to keep things clean but i don't remember our our place i never
1: felt like oh god i, I gotta keep it clean because dan's like you know anal about no, that wouldn't. stuff no i i
0: learned that much later I do. I've never learned it, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> I've, I, I was looking it. at. Ni- I was looking at 1972 here, and the things that were uh, in uh, in the change pop cluster. What's that, Freddie? <laughs> I'm sorry, what change <laughs> subject?
1: No, no, but I want to get back to the roommates. Um, <laughs> yeah. no.
2: Okay. What about 72? No, wait.
1: I want to finish this before we get to 72. Now, my one of my favorite memories, and not when i not the memory of the loud person that was in the house with me. <laughs> Hello, that's Not one that of my one. favorite. Yeah, do you know that story?
2: <clears throat> Are you asking me? Yes, there Dan. was a loud person. In well, I, I, I brought a, a young
1: woman home. Okay, in oh, the right. evening, and uh, she was. I, it's, it's you know, she was very uh, enthusiastic to a to a <laughs> right. point I'd never experienced before. Very loud, said a lot of things, gave me a lot of encouragement, and in fact, at one point, I said, "Where well, you've got to be quiet. I have a roommate." And I'm also not this good I I don't know I don't know what your your standards are But I have never produced this kind of reaction In anyone So I appreciate it, but you need to keep it down And Dan says to me the next day She's gone, she's like, what was going What was going on Um, It sounded like you were being tortured. I go, well, in a way I was, Dan. But that's not my memory. My memory was of when we got our first electric typewriter. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) That was like a big deal in the household. I got one. Somehow the station arranged for me to take one home. And I'm telling you, Fred, it was like having a laptop. It was our oh, first. Sure. It was our first electric one. Remember that little office we had, and we both got it, went uh, up yeah. there, and it had a uh, self-correct, mm-hmm. or had a, it had the the correcting ribbon built into mm-hmm. it. So it you was the just,
0: IBM Selectric, but right? you could just yeah.
1: backspace, do the erase, and then move on. I thought we had, I thought we were space people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, now what's your memory of nineteen seventy?
0: Oh no, and now it doesn't even matter. I just remember looking at the books, and my I remember my mom bought this uh, book, uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Yes. By Richard Bach. that was kicking around the house for years. I read it. Pretty radical in a church house, that book, because it's all about spirituality. Yeah.
1: But I guess maybe not. In a spiritual house, you know? No, I get it. No, I meant meant more like it's it's less gaudy, more sort of the uh, universe, uh, ethereal, blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, fellas, um, here's another little memory. This is one of those songs we would have all tried to slow dance to. trying to rub something against someone.
2: Yeah. yeah I was going to say the only books in my house were the penthouse my brother stuffed in the radiators. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, those are the years, you know, between 12
1: and 16. I remember, and we've talked about this, the very first time I went from seeing a playboy to seeing my first penthouse and then subsequently Hustler. Mm-hmm. Like Hustler was almost too much for my little... It like, it, was, it like overloaded me a bit, to be honest with you. I it was like ah, too many feelings.
2: Oh yeah. And we've talked about it many times in the show over the years. The first time, the first just picture you saw of a snarch was like what? What? What's yeah. that all about? Money. <laughs>
1: But anything, if you saw one like that now you'd be like what am I supposed <laughs> to do with that when do I, yeah. I need you?" To get, just, <laughs> yes. okay. somebody go get the
2: hitch <laughs> <That's>
0: right.
1: <laughs> alright Dan Duran uh, great uh, opening we'll see you in a little bit I yep. uh, haven't even mentioned Jeff Americ, one of our favorite commentators, guests, former colleagues just a terrific broadcaster and a great guy we're going to be talking some more hockey with him um, I've got some response uh, Tomorrow by the way uh, Like we've started doing the last few weeks It's just going to be us and you And your listener email Viewer email Whatever you want to call it you know, We're going we're gonna to do it on Thursdays So if you've emailed us And there's been a bunch so far Then Thursdays is when we're going to acknowledge it And there's a couple cool things But if you want to get in Express your thoughts about the th- Scott Morrison Or anything else you've heard on the show uh, maybe you want to uh, email us today. Humble and Fred at Humble dot com. Here's a comment about yesterday's show. Hi, Scott Morrison interview was great. You and Fred are very good interviewers. Just the right amount of questioning and participation. What do you think of that? Very nice. It comes from uh, Edmonton Steve. Mm. Yeah, Edmonton Steve. Good boy my brothers are such huge fans it makes me uh-huh. gives me a warm feeling um, they love the, not just me and you the fact that they listen to this show like is really sweet you know I, I mean it in a, I'm being sincere like Steven listens to it he loves us and I know he's my brother but you know like, in a way it almost makes it better that he's my brother because you don't have to do this most brothers would be like yeah yeah just go and do your stupid <laughs>
4: sh-
1: do your stupid chat But, uh, no, they're both big fans, and I thought that was very good. I really did. I loved the interview. I I could talk to him all day.
2: Yes, you know, he brings a wealth of uh, insider stuff and knowledge, like a lot of those players that he talked about on Team Canada 72. Some of them would have still been active when he first became a sports reporter, because I'm sure that would have been late 70s. He would be one year younger than me, I believe. So he was—he's sixty-four, I would imagine. Well, it's pretty cool. No, and he—he he was a very young sports editor of the Toronto Sun. Well, he must have had had a relationship
1: with Esposito because he got Esposito to write the forward. Yeah. And one of the things I would have wanted to bring up, but I didn't want to derail the conversation, was about the Boston Bruins of that era. They had just won the Stanley Cup. Harry Sinden was the Boston GM. He put the team together. You know, there were a lot of Boston references. And so it was good for me because those are kind of again those are the golden years of me and how intense into hockey I was. And I he talked about Busick and Cashman and the Cashman hit and such. You know, it just brought back great memories for me because those that was my team. You know, that was the team. All the players I had their cards and.
2: Anyway, yeah, and your team got whacked the other night, eh? Game one against Carolina, they lost five to one. Well, yeah, I saw that.
1: They're not really my team now, although uh, I do like what they've done you know they're uh they've gone kind of back to a little old school unis have you seen them lately it Mm -hmm. it seemed to me like i saw the yellow and white the other night right it it sort of looked and again i only saw it for a few seconds on the highlights but it was like oh like i'd wondered had they gone back to more of a classic bruins uniform
2: uh you know what i don't know i know they, they're they one of the franchises that has been reluctant. They did have a third where, where it was actually a Bruin on the front. Yeah, I, I didn't like that winner. one. Never did. The, the old throwbacks. But like Montreal and Detroit and a lot of those clubs, the original six. I mean, the Leafs screwed with theirs in the early 70s. Remember with the Maple Leafs on the shoulder and the weight right down the sleeves? It, it was ridiculous. Um, they've stayed traditional. Sometimes maybe the striping gets a little... Thicker or thinner along mm-hmm. the way, but they they maintain the integrity. You know, he said
1: something else that was interesting too, and I don't know if you, I'm sure you caught it. But we again, we can't, we couldn't have talked about everything. You know, when he mentioned how much the players hated each other, yes. And you said quite correctly, I think that that culture has changed, or maybe he said it that mm-hmm. the players are. But you know, there's a little bit more like kibitzing around before the game you see a guy you used to play yeah. with is a bit more friendly but think about it, and I, again i wanted to make this point but there were so many things that came to my mind the reason those guys hated each other is the original six just ended basically it was just after expansion there was only yeah. 12 teams in the league so yeah. think about how when you go through a two-month playoff series run by the time you've gone through seven games against a team you're mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit that goes on. Well, think about that every year.
2: Well, well there were six teams in a 50-game schedule. You played every team 10 times. Mm-hmm. So by the time you were done with them, you, of course you hated them.
1: That but by a, se- lot time. a lot of times. A lot of times. that's was my point. But, but even by 72, there were 12 teams, were there not?
2: Uh, yeah, Expansion I, I would, yeah. had just
1: happened. Yeah, there was 12 or 14, yeah. But whatever it was, you still played each other a lot more than these kids do now. Yes, and and to the point where you couldn't stand if you know you were Boston couldn't stand. That's why I always thought it was funny when when a guy like Brad Park, who was a Ranger forever, and then he goes and plays for Boston. I always thought those were, I always thought that was weird. Like how could mm-hmm. he do that? You
2: know what I mean? Well, even you know the Guy Lafleur televised funeral yesterday, which I didn't watch because again, to me, a bit over the top. Me too. Hockey player. A little bit much. Um. Really? A hockey player? Come on. No, I know. But I forgot he had played for the Rangers and the Nordik as well. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about that. Last week when he died, if somebody had asked me, I would have said, oh, yeah, he played his whole career with one. No, me I too. forgot about that. It's funny you say that because I
1: was reading this thing and Esposito was talking about his career on the Bruins. And then he talked about his time on the Rangers and somewhere else. I was like, what? Or yeah. Chicago. Why? But the same thing. I was like, I'd completely. Well, Bobby Orr. You know, played in Boston, but he also played in Chicago.
2: Yeah. You know, and Gre- and people forget Gretzky played a year in St. Louis. <laughs> Remember yeah, that? Man, no, I do. Um, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, we've got a couple things. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into Roe versus Wade because we've got Jeff Merrick in a second. But I thought we could maybe nibble at it uh, this way, which is a guy that we both admire. I think most people know by now there's been a leak, and it looks like the Supreme Court on the fucking States is going mm-hmm. to... It's a, such an immature country. Now, I've said that before. They really no. are immature.
2: Oh, and there's several states just poised to, you know, enact this law that they have that the minute, you know, this becomes something, uh, they can make women have to go, you know, into wherever to get an abortion. Let me I mean, ask you this. The whole, Go ahead. That's the whole gist of this. Yeah, right? Absolutely. But let it's me ask like, you this. If, if, you can, if you don't have um, safe access to an abortion, then what?
1: Yeah. Come on. Anyway. What I was going to ask you is, I have a feeling, and, and, I, and I could be wrong. I hope I'm right, but I could be wrong. This is going to backfire in a way the Republican Party has not anticipated. I don't think they understand who they're dealing with and who they're right. dealing with are fucking pissed off women like I've seen some things online now and I say this because some of the women that I follow Sarah Mm -hmm. Silverman, Hillary Clinton who Mm -hmm. by the way was right about everything fuck me, she was right about so many things but she was right about this she's on record saying if you get a you know, the Republicans are going to stack this court and they're going to turn over this ruling, Mm -hmm. but I think I think this actually is a miscalculation because the women are going to rise up And they're going to come out and vote these fuckers out.
2: Well, it's those middle people we talk about, right? There's a lot of Republicans that don't like Trump and they hold their nose when they vote that way. But this could be enough that uh, absolutely not. I am not voting for those for that party now. Saw
1: something yesterday. The Mm -hmm. question was, don't Republicans get abortions? Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they they do. This is all just being strummed by the religious... You know, banjo people.
2: <clears throat> I, and the fact that the debate or the, it's still an issue is just. It's like immature. It's just, <laughs> but yeah, that's a great word. It's like, are, are you serious? Yeah. This is
1: where you're at. This is where you think you need to put your time and attention. Mm hmm. Here's a, uh, a guy from long ago talking about just... Hang on a second. I know I didn't have a mouse, so we have to stop this one. Here's a guy from long ago talking about this issue.
4: That most of the people who are against abortion are people you wouldn't want to fuck in the first place. Huh? <laughs> Boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own. Pro life conservatives are obsessed with a fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no head start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> There's just thirty seconds left conservatives don't give a shit about you until you reach military age then they think you are just fine just what they've been looking for conservatives want live babies so they can raise them to be dead soldiers pro-life pro-life these people aren't pro-life they're killing doctors what kind of pro-life is that What, they'll do anything they can to save a fetus, but if it grows up to be a doctor, they just might have to kill it? They're not pro-life. You know what they are? They're anti-woman. Simple as it gets. Anti-woman. They don't like them. They don't like women. They believe a woman's primary role is to function as a broodmare for the state. Life. You don't see many of these white anti-abortion women volunteering to have any black fetuses transplanted into their uteruses, do you? No, you don't see them adopting a whole lot of crack babies, do you? No, that might be something Christ would do. So there you go. I, that was one of my favorite
1: clips of him because wow. he's right. They they care about the fetus as a theoretical part uh-huh. of the religious dogma that they all suck on. And, uh, uh-huh. but they don't really care. They don't really care about them because once yeah. they're born, they don't want any fucking thing to do with them.
2: No, they don't. And, uh, reading that Candace Bergen, uh, who's sort of leading the conservative party in Canada right now has, uh, issued a directive to all members to not even comment on this at all on any level uh well she's smart because i'll tell you what if they do they're fucked too yeah because there's a growing there's a grand ground swell of um anti-abortionists within that party that you know are getting a little more confident now Mm -hmm. so we'll see how that plays out i mean that would be i mean even here in canada right now that i would that would be a big question for me now what's your position on abortion that 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 might be a that might do it for me one way or the other right but you said
1: something a minute ago that i uh, have thought and i wanted to say which is are we still having this conversation i find that part just bizarre Mm -hmm. i thought that a couple days ago i'm like what are we what
4: Mm
1: -hmm. like it it really is a a very non-progressive yeah country in so many ways and the funny thing is the progressives who, who are labeled the progressives as you've said recently yeah, well, all they want is good for others they just want people to yeah. be healthy and they want schools to be mm-hmm. safe and they want people to be you know not sick and that's progressive in that country and that's yeah. you know if you, if you ask hey why don't we take care of everyone well you're a socialist oh well yeah.
2: and you know there's limits to everything and you can play both sides but that's really the the gist of it but you know i don't i here in canada i i I would i would hope that that doesn't become an issue um but i don't want to hear in here here in canada i don't want to hear about abortion anymore i don't want to hear about this freedom shit anymore either like we've moved like like don't insult me with the freedom thing don't insult me with abortion and all we have to do is point to the United States and see how ridiculous they look. Please don't bring that here. I have no I have no appetite or patience for it. Well, it'll be interesting to see
1: if it does start to become part of the Canadian Conversation mm-hmm. in the few weeks coming because those because if it isn't the, because I'll tell you you'll know where it's going to come from. Of course, it, it'll come from those same batshit anti vaxxers mm-hmm. who will start because what they love to do is well we we can see it. They've already aped the American yep. you know you know all of that nonsense. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you start hearing it again. You start seeing some of it. Um, he just won't surprise me. Uh, I wanted to play some other Carlin before we get to, uh, to Jeff Merrick. This is just so we kind of have a bit of a palate cleanser, you know, abortion. Then we're going to do Merrick. So here's another little palate cleanser because George Carlin is what we sort of got into this with. And coming on May 20th. Judd Apatow who has already done a great documentary on Gary Shandling his friend this is the trailer for the HBO and in Canada I guess it'll be on Crave uh, HBO documentary it's a, a two part uh, doc from Judd Apatow's company and uh, it's called George Carlin's American Dream
4: would you all meet George
3: Carlin hey baby what's that
4: we got assholes scumbags jerkoffs, and dipshits and they all vote he was funny, he was smart, he was opinionated. I wanted to be just like him. He was just so cool. Here's the list of words you can't say all the time. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. And the crowd goes crazy.
3: Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits.
2: They arrested me
4: for profanity. The Supreme Court restricts the broadcast of dirty words.
3: I'm going to jump to it right now. He's the Beatles of comedy. I began this dream of
4: standing in front of people and having their attention.
0: My mother was his biggest champion. She just had a way of lifting people up and believing in them. They were comrades in arms, but then what happened was super stardom. My mom was alone all the time. She's feeling left behind, and now the drugs are there. And that really did undermine everything in our family.
4: I did as much cocaine as there was in the immediate three-county area. He <laughs> <It laughs> collapsed in on himself. My career began to wane. I had to find my voice.
3: 1988 we were gonna go do the show to laugh at him because he was this older comic and carlin came out with like a howitzer now
4: They're thinking about banning toy guns And they're gonna keep the fucking real one didn't want to be that
1: anyway, didn't want to I'll want tell Trump. you, it's going to be something for comedy fans like us, uh, especially, not especially me, but it's a lot of stand-ups on it that I know there's um, Bill Burr's on there so far, uh, Patton Oswalt, and John Stewart. I think this is going to be one of
2: those things that it'll be something to look forward to, you know, if we're still here. That strange. that was one of the earliest indications I got how cool my mother was, because we played the seven words for her. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't know whether we should, and we did and She, like, laughed, like, uncontrollably. So no surprise. Funniest though. thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Although prior to that, I had found, do you remember, did your dad ever have, um, not X-rated, but adult albums? No. Well, there was a couple in our house where it was guys like comics telling off color jokes and sexual jokes. And you had to keep those records hidden. And then we play this for my mother. And it's like to her, it was like one of those records. But she laughed, man. Crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, for me, I, you know, there were there was a novelty album in our record collection of a comedian who used to sing funny songs Mm -hmm. And I remember playing it over and over again, thinking it was so clever that he played funny songs. But I do remember, I don't know what age I would have been when the seven words came out, but it really affected, like all of George, all of my childhood was George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby. And uh, and there's a, a moment there, I don't know if you could tell who it was, but it was Jerry Seinfeld who said, the reason I wanted to do this was George Carlin. And I don't think and Stephen Colbert saying he was the Beatles of stand up, Mm -hmm. you know, even because he kind of came. He came out as that kind of comedian before Richard Pryor, because both of them had been on talk shows and had been doing sort of the standard stand up of the day. Very sort of hokey, the hippy dippy weatherman. And then all of a sudden, Carlin had this epiphany um, and so did uh, Pryor. But uh, Carlin was sort of first to the uh, post with it. Anyway,
2: yeah, he was something. Yeah, in seventy one, dies at seventy one. That was such a shock, man. You know that it, it's. A, you know, I saw
1: Bill Cosby in, in concert. I never saw Pryor, but I did see Pryor in a club. But I never saw. Mm-hmm. I never saw George Carlin, and I, I wish I had. I wish I'd. I can't remember if I had a chance, but by the end there, I was like, he's sort of devolved into less of a comedian and more of a, just a humorous TED Talk kind of vibe. But
2: Yeah. The, the only comic I ever paid to see was Jerry Seinfeld. Well, I paid to see him in Peterborough. That funny little show he did when he flew into Peterborough one night yeah. and did a show. And then I think we got freebies when Jerry was in uh, Buffalo. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the time I saw yeah, him with
1: you in Buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Merrick you going to turn your camera on or have you been hideously disfigured in an industrial accident Standing by standing by Jeff Merrick Standing by, standing by. Go, standing by. go
3: Let's, go. Go, Let's just I uh,
1: yeah man mm-hmm. like, I just want to acknowledge you know cuz uh, I'll tell you right now three of us look great <laughs> <laughs> we
3: do I, I, I just want to say cause hey, I Hang on Is this going to be One of these things is a lie? <laughs> One of these things I'm going to say is a lie? You're no, no, no it is? I'm not doing I'm, I've been thinking about it I was
1: thinking Because I saw your picture And I thought You know, when Merrick comes on here <laughs> I just want him me and my boy have lost like 15 and 12 pounds. So we're, look, we're looking as good as we can. But I saw this picture of America. I'm like, fucking I'm America's aging so nicely.
3: Uh, I don't know about that. Come it's on now. Of, it's a lot of MAC 30 on television, power. There's a, there's <laughs> a, that a one, lot that it gets covered is up. Is that your uh, um, what is it, maquillage <laughs> of choice? Is it?
2: That's it, Mac thirty. Oh, it hides the nice.
3: Louis Vuitton's under the eyes. Yeah. yeah man. It's it's a, it's, a, it's about to get I'm going it's about to get bad because the playoffs is like like I was up last night till about two thirty doing podcasts with Friege and so it's like and then up early to do radio hits and um it's gonna get bad. Like the next two months is the month that really stretches everyone's discipline. from for our industry anyway. And, well, we really appreciate yes, you very much this
2: time for us. Oh, Jeffrey. There,
3: listen, there's no way I can say no to F. You guys well, got me started, man.
1: But, but Jeff made a point right away. We talked to Scott Morrison yesterday and we we're talking about the playoffs. And, and Fred was, yep. you know, like you're basically those. The, the players are playing a grueling every other night schedule, basically for two months. But I yep. was thinking about this when I was watching the broadcast on Monday. Mm-hmm. That crew and you, you guys are at it. Are you at it every night? From every now night. until the end,
3: yep, every every night from now, and then it, and then it bleeds into the draft and free agency. It doesn't really shut down until probably middle of July. That's when everyone starts to think about taking their vacations. Yeah, it's a grand. Like, uh, listen, we're not cracking the atom here. We're not curing. You know, we're not curing anything. Like mm-hmm. I always. I always feel shy about, you know, complaining about my work. I mean, my favorite line from the Godfather was always, this is the business we chose. That's right. So I always <laughs> have to keep that in the back of my mind here. So I'm never going to complain about it, but uh, it gets, it gets, uh, uh, you get, what is it? You get, you get battle scars. as Kim uh, But that is, uh, by the way, that's course. such a fun, that's such a guy thing. I've
1: got I, almost um, so many guys. I know we just have, we all think we were in the Godfather. You know, we, <laughs> We do. We all think we were part of a crew and never ask me about my business. I'm gonna tell me you've never said never ask me about my business. Bullshit. You have. (laughs) Daddy, Daddy, are you working tonight? I told you never ask me about my business.
3: When, when in doubt, reach for either a Godfather reference or yeah. a Winston Churchill line. Oh, very nice. Right? In yes. war t- in wartime, gentlemen, the uh, truth is so precious, she needs mm-hmm. to be guarded by a bodyguard of lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things or, like that or, to make you sound smart.
2: Or, or the great one, uh, the, the greatest argument about, uh, uh, the uh, the greatest argument against democracy is spending five minutes with the average voter. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> do,
1: you, do you think there was a point, Early on in the conflict, where Zelensky turned to his capos and said, "We're going to the mattresses." Fuck, I hope he we're did. Going to
3: the mattresses. And wh-
1: I just hope. I that, would hope so. I would
3: hope I Zelensky would, would, just because he, it sounds like he's got steel. Ones absolutely. Would, I mean, or like, yeah. Or in a
1: teleconference going. to Putin, we're going to the mattresses. Yeah. Quick, or get the get the, get the sauce, and you just start making <laughs> fucking sauce, right? <laughs> um, before we get to uh, what uh, you're doing now, Freddie and I had a yeah, great man. we had a great conversation with Scotty Morrison yesterday's book uh, 1972, him. the year that changed hockey. In it. It certainly sp- spurred a lot of conversation for he, he and I because we were it was our sweet spot. I was twelve, so I was the most intense hockey uh, um, fan I ever have been. Freddie was sixteen, mm-hmm. starting to be a, think about a broadcaster. But you're much younger than us, so what do you have any childhood memories, or are your memories just as a, a guy in the know and what you think the of first-
3: it? The, the the first big tournament for me, because I would have been three years old in 72. So I'm I, my parents would always tell me, yeah, you know, you were propped up in front of the television watch. I have no memories. I got to go through hypnosis. Yeah, yeah. to Remember, <laughs> anything about Henderson takes a wild stab at it. But I mean, you can't cover this sport and not have a thought or two or have done at least some thinking slash investigating or talking to people about that Two team summit series and what it meant for hockey, both good and bad, too. And not just what it meant from the Canadian point of view, but also what it meant from the Soviet point of view as well. Like, I find fascinating now because, you know, that was a moment where. And listen, you guys can you guys can tell me otherwise. You guys were you know, uh, conscious and watching this thing and have actual memories about it. I mean, that was a big chest beating moment for Canada. That was, you know, we won. We did, Our system is better than theirs. The way we play hockey is better than theirs. We are still the superior hockey culture. You know, you look at you know, you talk to, you know, Soviet hockey fans. You know, you talk to Soviet hockey players. They consider game one to be like, that's it. Game one was actually the series because what that did was. Prove to the international community and prove to Canada that someone could beat them at their own game. And, you know, there have been people, I, I know it can get kind of hot takey sometimes, but there is a school of thought that says Canada actually lost in 72. They may have won the games, mm-hmm. but they lost because if they didn't win that final game and they, and they quote unquote, lost the series... Canada would have had to have taken a really hard look at how they play the game, how they feel about the game, how they contextualize their players within this game. And the game probably would have evolved. You can make the argument that the game kind of stalled in Canada because they, quote unquote, won and didn't have to learn anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the old saying you either win or you learn. Mm -hmm. And Canada didn't have to learn anything. Canada just said, we're the best. Now let's move on. Um, Whereas the rest of hockey adapted and eventually Canada got to the place and we see it now, right? Like the influence of European hockey took Canada a long time to get there to actually learn things from other countries. Well,
1: I don't totally Um, agree, but but I want to hear Fred. I I don't totally agree with what you just said. Why don't I hear Fred's response? No, no,
2: no. I I do actually, because it was 81 when it finally hit home. Was it 81 they beat us in the series? Oh, cleaned our clocks. And it took that... That's when we started having all to use the word summit and all the panels about what yeah. we need to do with our game. That's when it started. Yeah. So I sort of agree with what but,
1: but here's playing. why I here's where I disagree. I don't think to me it was. <clears throat> yes, it was a chest beating moment. It was all, but more from like, yay, we won. But a little bit of a caveat, like a bit of relief. That we won because Uh my point is, it was more of a bit of an almost an existential crisis for Canadian hockey culture, because up to that point, that 7-3 loss, Jeff, we would never consider anyone could actually beat our best players. Not that they were our best players, but that doesn't matter. My point is, yes, there was jubilation in the land. But I feel the seeds of Canadian hockey change came from that. You know, I remember going back before I finished hockey in the next four years, all of a sudden there were pylons on the ice, there were skills, there were practices I'd never seen before the Russians came to town. My point is, I think it started to change pretty quickly. Now, maybe on the surface we were saying, we're still the best, (laughs) we beat the Soviets. But I think there was, that's how it started with, because the, the people in the know knew that we came very close to having our asses handed to us culturally
3: and on the ice so a couple of things there um and i'm glad we're having this conversation about 72 it's one of my favorite things to do um and i got a great remind i got a great bobby Orr story that you guys will love i'm not sure if you went over with scott morrison dude i love i love when two. our guests actually promo cool shit that they're gonna say <laughs> i that's think you how guys, you know I, I think i think you guys are really gonna dig this that's one. how you know you're dealing with um, a professional So, I know, I'll just hook, 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 right? Hook him through the stop that baby. Always be hooking, always be hooking. When we
1: come back, Jeff Merrick will tell a great Bobby Orr story.
3: (laughs) (laughs) One you've never heard before. He thought he was taking it to the grave. No, he's going to share it with you next. Um, (laughs) So, there was, I think, though, there there was a scare that was put into Canada. Absolutely. I think there were certain people that did learn. Like, I shouldn't make that blanket statement that all of Canada shut down. Because I think there were people that did learn. And you know who I think of right away? Fred Shiro. Fred Shiro is the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, was a big fan of Anatoly Tarasov, considered you know, the godfather of, of Soviet-slash-Russian hockey. And you know the rise of, uh, of Soviet hockey through the World Championships in the 50s and the 60s you know, was Anatoly Tarasov essentially going to World Championship games and writing down every time a player completed a pass. And at the end of a game... What he noticed was, whichever team completed the most passes, generally, like 90% of the time, won the game. And the whole Soviet style became predicated on moving the puck. Now, you'll know, in the NHL, that was a grab the puck and skate with the game. It was very much, it wasn't a a puck movement game. It was a selfish, I have the puck, I'm going to charge for the net. Oh, it didn't work, we're regrouping, we're going back the other way. Fred Shiro, as much as people may look at the Broad Street Bullies in 74, 75 and say they go their way to the Stanley Cup. All the, you look at the game style. You look at the way the Philadelphia Flyers played. They actually played a Soviet style of hockey. They moved the puck. And if they didn't have a play, they regrouped in the neutral zone. That was right from Anatoly Tarasov. That was ripped out of the pages. So that was Fred Shiro saying, like, I'm not going to be, you know, arrogant and say, like, oh, you know, we're following, you know, what Father David Bauer left years and years before for us. And that's Mm -hmm. the way with hockey and it's table hockey and everybody has their lane. And that's what you do and you don't freestyle. He he, you know he you know he he opened himself to the possibility that you could learn from other systems. Now there was a certain amount of ultra violence that came with it with the Philadelphia Flyers, mm-hmm. but there were to your point there were people that did learn, and we did see more skill development that reached another zenith in the WHA with the Winnipeg Jets, which wasn't just a Soviet influence but uh-huh. a Swedish influence as well. That bled into the Oilers, and then to Fred's point, we're after the races after 1981. Here's the story between uh, game one and two. I love this story. Someone told me this, and I think I talked to. Ron McLean about this a couple of times as well. So between games one and two, so after game one, there is panic in Canada. It is, Oh man, what just happened there? Um, and as you guys know, Bobby Orr had the knee injury and mm-hmm. couldn't play in the tournament. So essentially they went to Alan Eagleson and Eagleson, you know, essentially begged Bobby or Bobby, we need you. Can you do this? Can you at least try to see how the knee is uh, the, the knee is? And so uh, the day after team Canada was going to practice at Maple Leaf gardens game two was in Toronto and they got one of the goaltenders, I think like a third or fourth string goaltender from the OHA's Toronto Marlies. Okay. So the junior goaltender to go out there on the ice. So Bob, this is after the Marlies practice. So Bobby could have a twirl, see how the knee was, take some shots. They just needed a goalie in that to sort of stay in there stand in front of Bobby Orr and he realized after a little while wasn't going to happen I can't do this I, 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 I'm it's breaking my heart but I can't do this who was that goalie oh uh my not, here? no great great guess though great that's a because he was at that, that vintage with the Marlies great guess hmm. this is like a third or fourth string Marlies goaltender's career never went anywhere oh, Sorry, I shouldn't say that he never had a hockey career but you know him well
1: uh God, I couldn't okay. even. I don't have a, a reference, so I just I don't know. Greg Keeler from Blue Rodeo. Come on! <laughs> wow. Come
3: I would have on. never guessed that. <laughs> this is I, I, these. Are, I, and now you know the rest of the story. I heard that one a few years ago, and I I remember having a conversation with Ron McClain He's like, Yeah, no, I'm I'm very familiar with that story as well. Oh wow. yeah, that's a you that's know. A great he one. played for the Marlies. Yeah, he was a goalie.
1: Isn't that wow, something? I else I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Um. You know, there's so many great stories in the book. But Bob, being a Bobby Orr fan as a kid, loved. I'm mean, Boston was my team. That's why I was just saying to Freddie earlier in the show. There were so many great references yesterday because a lot of the a lot of the players were Boston Cashman. You know, Esposito. Esposito famously didn't want yeah. to play, refused it three times, and it was Bobby Orr who wasn't going to be playing, but actually traveled with the team. He called Espo and Espo, like mm. I know him. I said Espo like a dick. Uh-huh. Fuck, I hate guys. I'm Espo. Like I, like uh. Mr. Esposito. He called him and said, you know, we need you to play. And, of course, that became pivotal because Esposito yeah. ended up being not only a, um, a contributor on the
2: Espo, but such a heart and soul, you know, of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those those guys had nothing. There was nothing to gain by that. It, 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 they had everything to lose by being part of that because they were so expected to win. It was supposed yeah. to be such a
3: cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, Howard, Robert De Niro always told me never drop names. Um, and two. Uh, <laughs> That's right. You know that. <laughs> that, was, that was you. you know, one, of the goofiest,
1: um, I was one of the goofiest things I've heard recently is uh, I know it's an old joke, but somebody said, uh, You know, my wife thinks I don't uh, listen to anything she says.
3: What a weird way to start a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they say there's one asshole at every party, but I don't believe it because I've never seen the guy. Um, So here's so that I remember having a conversation with Ron Ellis about this, because, Freddie, to your point, like this was a a Canada thought this was going to be a breeze, going to roll over them in eight games. You know, they're going to wake up, you know, they're going to crack their knuckles, going to put on their skates and they're going to, you know, the clobber the Soviets. And we all remember the Soviet style was so distinct from Canada, where Canada was, you know, rush, 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 dump it in, you know, punt and hunt, you know, dump and chase, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, get the puck deep and and then work along the boards. Soviet style wasn't that. Soviet style was skate towards the blue line. If they didn't have a play, they would regroup, circle back and go at them again. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie Ellis told me the story. He's like, thank God that they played that style. And I said, why? He said, if they played a Canadian style of hockey, we were dead. So we'd get back to the room and we would laugh. So what are you talking about? He said, we were – we didn't take it seriously, to your point, Freddie. We were out of shape. And if they would have dumped the pucks behind us all game long and made us skate for three periods, <laughs> we were dead. We could get just cursed through the, for the metal like – Woo, thank God we didn't yeah. have to skate that period because the Russians <laughs> just kept regrouping and regrouping. All they had to do was lob pucks into our zone and we were dead. You know, it's interesting. You know Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say another, another thing I noticed from hockey in that era, NHL, even in the, in, in the big series with, like, with Ken Dryden and Trechak to some degree, the goalies never went down.
3: Yeah, it was. Um, so many goals were scored along the ice. Like, mm-hmm. It was bizarre. Okay, I'll, I'll just be blunt. Goaltenders didn't know how to play the position. It took goalies, no. honestly, it took goaltenders 100 years mm. to learn how to play the position. Like I, I, I can't think of one position in all of sports that that took a, a, a member that 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 took the athletes longer to learn how to play or figure out how to play. Well, why do you think that is? They, because
1: traditionally it was just cut the angle down, come out a little bit, you know, cut off the angle. But so when did it change? I mean, i the first one I think could first name that came to mind is uh, Esposito's brother, Tony, who Tony. finally who used to sort of butterfly. Butterfly.
3: Yeah, yep. T- Tony and Glenn Hall were the first to really do it. Uh, Tony used to put like like fish wire in between his hockey pants too, so he'd cover up the five hole. You couldn't like fish string, like so you have fishing string, so You couldn't see it between his pants. So that way, if you went down to the butterfly, he protected his five hole. Right. It's like, how did he stop that? Well, he's got like fishing string like tied in between <laughs> anyway but you're right uh I suppose one of the first Ben Hall was one of the first yeah. as well but it really didn't become a, a technique until Francois Laird got to Patrick Roy and so, Patrick Roy really popularized it certainly for French Canadian goaltenders no,
2: really like I mean even into the early 80s late 70s early 80s you know when all those goals were being scored to me part of that part of the reason was was the goaltending it was terrible shots that would never we <laughs> wouldn't have a chance yeah. nowadays found the net it was, and those yeah. guys just didn't go down it was weird. Well I also yeah, find no, that the equipment
1: it, Jeff has gotten so mm-hmm. much when you watch again go back to 72 and watch forget the series watch any game in the NHL mm-hmm. and it's like uh what, did they did their dads buy them that equipment is that
3: not did they get that at the CCM <laughs> store uh, are there, are those two napkins on their shoulder? <laughs> those aren't right. shoulder pads, right? Those, aren't those are are like napkins taped onto their Literally, shoulders. Literally they look like
1: their mom gave them the Sears catalog from some uh Canadian version of a
3: you, you know the, uh, the origin of the uh, – you, you've heard the story, uh, uh, the goalie stood on his head last night. Do you guys know the etymology, like the origin of that? No. So, um, in the NHL when it started, um, the, the, the forerunner was the NHA, the National Hockey Association. It changed into for various reasons, including a backstabbing of the Toronto owner, Eddie Livingston, in 1916. Um, there was a rule that goaltenders couldn't go down. They had to stand on their feet the entire time. Hmm. And a lot of goaltenders would try to no. fudge that and always wanted to be able to go down, smother the puck, go down and make saves. And finally, and this is where the quote comes from, and it's lived on ever ever since. Frank Calder, who was the president of the National Hockey League at that point, this would have been early 20s. He was finally fussed with all the lobbying from general managers and from goaltenders. He finally relented and said something to the effect of, that's fine. If they want to go down, let them go down. I don't care what they do. For all I care, they can stand on their head. There you go. And that's where stand on their head actually comes from. But yeah, it, it took, honestly, it, it took forever. Jeff. For these guys w- to learn how to play the w- position. W-
1: it, don't, wasn't there a rule for quite a while? No raises? Was there not a no raises? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you couldn't because well, well, the blades the yeah, were blaze. like this. Right? Was, I, I believe there was a
2: no raises rule. It came, uh, it came and it went. Yeah, One other know. note on the goaltenders, too, the evolution of the goaltender. Again, in our era, when I can remember 70s, early 80s, the goaltenders liked their equipment as close to their body as they could, as tight as they could have it, as mm-hmm. insignificant as it could be. Mm-hmm. Remember in the how small they looked in net, mm-hmm. and that evolved into as much equipment as I can get, as wide as I can get it, and, and, until they actually had to institute rules against the size of, of the-, the equipment.
3: Here, so here, th- this speaks to a, an interesting philosophical conversation, which is, should goaltenders be scared to play the position? Now, the history of goaltending has always been, um, to your point, like very little equipment, goaltenders standing up, and alcoholism. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course there's that. were terrified. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were, t- honestly, they were, ter- we look at them, it goes, oh, look how these brave men. They were, f- they, they, they were, ter- they were six jobs, right? And they were fiercely competitive, and they had basically zero protection. Um, and a lot of these goaltenders, especially, I mean, Terry Sawchuk is the the most obvious one who lived the life of you know, horrible alcoholism because of the fear he had from playing net. But if he's going to provide for himself for his family, he's going to have to go yeah. and play net because that's that's what he knows. So now the equipment is larger. Goaltenders feel protected, and goaltenders aren't scared anymore. Like it does speak to like, should you as a goaltender be scared <laughs> to play your position because goalies aren't scared anymore? Goalies well, should any athlete? Shots.
1: But should any athlete not have the full protection so that? you know, they don't injure themselves. But remember when you talk about, you know, the, the way the stick was flat and they, the game was played along the ice. Goaltenders, I know you kids aren't going to believe this, but some of them didn't, most of them didn't wear helmets, face masks, well, and occasionally would get down and stop a puck
2: with their face. Well, remember <laughs> the old Hockey Night in Canada opening? It showed Johnny Bauer on the ice, prone, oh, stuck, his, stuck literally his face. Literally put his head, his forehead, in front of the puck. I used to, when we first had a VCR, I would slow mo that and show it to Danny, my son, and say, "Look, look what these guys did." Yeah, it blew his mind that player, that goalies played without masks. Now um, the mask comes off, and all
3: of a sudden the whistle goes like that's Yes, it. stop play, stop play, stop play.
2: Okay,
1: so let's uh, listen. We uh, we don't have all day with Merrick. He's got to get a, get a nap. He's got to go back to work. Just a <laughs> couple. Just I I know we I want to talk a little bit about what's to come in the next couple of months, and maybe well, let's not break down everyone. Let's just talk a bit about a uh, little bit about Leafs Lightning in a second. But one last <clears> thing, <throat> and and we brought it up with scott i brought it up actually that it's interesting and one of my favorite sort of lores of the 72 series is the guy who led in the goal that helped canada you know win the stand or win the, the series is in the hall of fame but the guy that scored the goals isn't in the hall of fame i what made me think of him now is he was one of the first guys i remember wearing a helmet that was unusual in those days yep
3: yep what
1: are your thoughts as a guy that has a, a comment or two to make about why isn't uh, Paul, Henderson? Paul Henderson in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame?
3: He had a very good career and he had a very great tournament. Does that rise to the level of criteria for admission into the Hall of Fame? He had, a, again, is it the Hall of Great or the Hall of Good? Because his career was good. Paul Henderson was a very good hockey player. Now, he had a great couple of weeks like as far as being a peak performer he, yeah. was, like, he scored clutch goals now the only the, the question that I always raise is okay if we're going to put Paul Henderson in the Hall of Fame based on what he did in 72 and the gravity of those goals specifically in the final game do we then open the door for Jim Craig in 1980 for Mike Arugioni type players who had one great week Like humongous game, one individual game. Do we then, to me, it's all about what precedent do you set? Like, I think, like, they let Pavel Burr in so Eric Lindros could get in. So you had something to compare it with, and this is how... how Mm -hmm. No, I get it. If Uh, this guy, then that guy. I I have an argument, but Who else goes in? Who else
2: goes in? Well, definitely, that's the argument against it, because it still hasn't happened, but I would counter that with Trechak, who's in, had a hidden career that we don't really know about in the Soviet Union day to day, because, you know, there wasn't as much media at the time, and he in the big series
3: he did and and so he's in all the big ones all the big ones i know but my and my counter i I, I didn't
1: i I was gonna let fred have the first shot because i thought he was gonna make the same point but i my counter is this those other names you mentioned yes those were fine performances in a given week but this was a significant moment in the country's history at a time where, it, cha- it whether it changed it right away or it changed it later, it changed how we thought of hockey forever. So there's a little bit more significance to his three goals and his three game-winning yeah. moments, I think, for Canadians.
2: I'll tell you right now, no Canadian would go, Paul Henderson, his career was just mediocre, yeah. you know? <laughs> but, Howard, okay. Howard, okay. Howard, that's part of the problem. The Hockey Hall of Fame isn't Canada.
3: It's hockey. It's professional hockey. So, so the, let me let me let me throw another one out at you. How many teams played in 72? 12. 12 or 14, I think. <laughs> no, 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 how many teams in that Summit Series? Oh, two. Well, two. Is that a tournament even? Mm-hmm. Or do we make the argument that we way overvalue what was essentially a two-team challenge tournament. Sure, but it, mm-hmm. but it, you can't. Yeah, and unless I it don't was, want to belabor
1: it, other than to say that you know we're talking about it. You know, you you know that that phrase famous for five hundred years. Well, that series will be famous mm-hmm. long after the Canada Cup, you know, goes
2: right. in the uh... no. But 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 again, just be clear yeah. on that. The thing is with the Hockey Hall of Fame, they don't care
3: about that. It was Canada. Yeah, yeah, you I know? get it
2: they look at the big picture
3: they there 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 is well the, the one thing that we always have to distinguish too is this isn't the nhl hall of fame this is the hockey hall of fame so there is yes. a premium always put out so this 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 speaks more to paul henderson getting in because you know be international repud- Because that's why Tret jackson you know Tret Jackson never played in in the in the nhl but that's fine like there's a lot of room for non-nhl people and players to make it into the hockey hall of fame if i was making the henderson argument That's the one that I would make. I would make it based on um, what he did for hockey internationally. Jeff Merrick is completely let go of the NHL career, Mm -hmm. which was, again, very good career. Yeah, it's fine. Just not a great one.
1: But but that, you know, again, and and there's a, I was going to get into how the the criteria works in the PGA Tour. You basically, you know, you win a major. You don't necessarily go into the Hall of Fame. You need a major and then a pretty decent career. You know, 10 or 15 wins on top. Listen, before we get, we got to get going here. Jeff Merrick is the uh, NHL host on Sportsnet and 32 Thoughts, the podcast and the Jeff Merrick show, by the way, these days, back on the 590 uh doing do you do leaf's lunch or what is what is that
3: <laughs> no that name's been co-opted by <laughs> now
1: so uh you're back on uh every day
3: at noon what,
1: what,
3: yeah how I much money that. do you need
1: merrick what? jesus
3: no the, the money that i make makes noise in my jeans oh Howard. come on that long come quiet, oh, humble red green no nice bullshit if we had your money now we'd burn I ours walk down this street and everyone knows i'm coming oh here come the nickel and dimes here comes here comes merrick do
1: you want to have a little no. dead Mar- a dead mother challenge on who on 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 who's got more money now?
3: (laughs) Seriously, Fred, if we had Merrick, we would set our money on fire. I've got three kids, two of whom play AAA hockey. I'm broke. Oh, I know that. That must cost a good...
1: (laughs) No, I guess. Uh, That's got to be worth twenty G's a year. Hey,
2: there's some kids playing. Easy,
1: there's easy, some easy twenty. G's. Easy now. Easy 20 G's. No, see, there you go. No, that's like just he has no, that on the side table.
3: It's no, that's like that's the. Like, I wish it was only twenty G's for that. It's yeah, that like that's unbelievable. And I mean
2: that that that's a conversation for another day. A whole how many sure. Wayne Gretzky's will never put on skates because it costs too much to play. But that's for another. Day. Here's here's, is, a that that a, here's a Jeff
1: Merrick fun fact. The uh, Maple have Here's a Jeff Merrick fun fact supplied by our producer. Uh, the Maple Leafs have a defenseman named T.J. Brody, and Jeff has sons <laughs> named T.J. and Brody. Uh, there's with, some kids whatever. on the ice tonight, Jeff. When the, you yes. got like two, three minutes before we have to okay. get out of here. I'm too worried. And uh, no, no, you're you're honestly, you could come on every goddamn day. Just co host it with us. Uh, right. I watched a little. I watched my first Leaf game the other night because uh, i can 't stand the Leafs, and i can 't stand the regular season, but I really enjoyed the game, very entertaining, yeah, pretty good hockey team. Yep. my boy here, I actually was texting him the score because he has taken a break, <laughs> so it's a lot that 's a long story. But what okay. about you do to give Leafs fans some hope? Is there any way they 're getting past uh, Tampa Bay absolutely
3: they're listen tampa is tampa 's played a lot of hockey in the last two years. Tampa, because of the salary cap, is not as good a team as they were last year or the season before the two times they won the Stanley Cup. What we saw out of the Maple Leafs on Monday was – probably the best game we've seen out of this group since it was assembled and it wasn't just five on five play it wasn't just power play it was shorthanded as well like i I believe you know the 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 catchy new phrase now is we don't have a penalty kill we have a power kill okay we're aggressive we got a power kill we don't just kill penalties we try to score like but it's true and they had they've they've filled their middle to bottom six now or bottom nine um, with, uh, with bottom six, rather sorry, with with players that are, are two way guys that can skate, that can move their feet. Whether it's Kerford or Makayev or Blackwell who came in at the deadline, you know, guys that can can move their feet, and they made a really good Tampa Bay Lightning team look like they were doing statue practice. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like Nikita Kucherov was waiting for an elevator, same as Stamkos, same for same as Hedman. Vasilevsky uh, was fishing for pucks, guessing wrong all mm-hmm. night long. Yeah, he had a bad Again, game. It's only one. One game. Mm -hmm. But I think we should mention, did that, Howard, when you watched, did it seem like that wasn't a Maple Leafs crowd? Like, were you, Elliot always said, the the tea party in Toronto, like, oh, I have have a nice cup. That was one of the first
1: comments I made to Freddie that, again, having no perspective from the regular season, but I I noted the announcers all, and that crowd seemed pretty pretty excited, pretty different than a typical Maple Leaf sort of
2: morgue.
3: They always get the Bay Street and the suits and all that and the okay. sushi and all that. That was, that was, that was a hockey crowd. Yeah, I wonder, wh- I wonder why. And, you know, I'm still stinging. Release, for- release valve. I think it yeah. was release valve, Freddie. I think that what happened last year against the Montreal Canadiens, the Maple Leafs totally froze. And it sucked a lot of joy out of Maple Leafs fans for this season. Because no matter what Austin Matthews did, yeah. no matter what Mitch Marner did, there was always a caveat. That's great that's him all right. year i mean i'm still stinging from last year and i
2: did you know i watched some of it this year not all, i didn't even watch the beginning of the game the other night because mm-hmm. i've i'm you know i they got to get to the second round before they prove anything to me but when you say that and i've heard that over the last last couple of days you know you know forward six through 12 or whatever it's like it's hard for me to get my head around that the Maple Leafs have actually done this right. Like, this is what teams <laughs> do to win the Stanley No, yeah. This is what you, teams you know, do yeah. to win the Stanley Cup, because traditionally, we always fall short. But it's not just Matthews and Marners now. Look, look at the, the, the third and fourth line, and that may be the key to this. And I find it
3: hard to believe the Leafs have actually... Managed to pull this off. The the uh, the other thing to keep in mind too, and this is like if you look at the history of the game. Okay, like go back to you know when water froze and we dropped a you know a, a mm-hmm. black rubber. When cavemen first dropped a mm-hmm. punk on the ice, first <laughs> sharpened <laughs> their clubs and that's Yakuza. that's boarding. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the history of the game, because um, I know Matthews heard it last year. Certainly Marner got it a blasted last year for for freezing, and they all did. The history of the game is elite-level skilled players figure it out in the postseason. Sometimes it takes a little while, but if you look at all like Pavel Datsuk, how many times do we say about Pavel Datsuk, guys? Oh, yeah, a great regular season player vanishes in the playoffs. Anaheim knows how to neutralize this guy. He's he's a ghost in the playoffs. That's true until it isn't. Ditto for Alexander Ovechkin until he won uh, his Stanley Cup. The history of the game is elite level players figure out how to play in the playoffs. That's how they're wired. That's why they're elite players.
1: You know, it goes back to when uh, Edmonton, I know this is an old reference, but when Edmonton lost to the Mm -hmm. Islanders, they figured out Okay now we know what it, well, now we know what it looks like to get this close and to lose and then they took that knowledge and won, you know, f- forever. I want to I wanted just to give it a little defense to Fred because I was getting texts from people during the game like, is Freddy watching? And I sort of, one guy said, I don't think Fred's, <laughs> I said, I'm texting Fred the score. And this guy was like, well, uh, blah, blah, I said, he's not watching this guy. I said, yeah, serves, uh, serves him right opting to watch a meaningless baseball game in May. He's missing a good ones. Leafs are completely dominating. And I wrote back. Leave Fred alone. He's suffered enough. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> hey, I, said, hey. I said, "Fred suffered enough to miss the first game. Give him a fucking yeah. break.
2: Like, seriously. <laughs> if, if the Leafs go up, on Friday night, if the Leafs are up three games to none, yeah. this series still will not be over in the minds of Leaf fans. Yeah. I
3: think it won't be. Because totally you've true. been burned before. I get it. Absolutely. Until game four is won and the buzzer goes how, off. How yeah. many times? You're a how many times mm-hmm. has this fan base been false started? Yes. It, well, how many times? Let me just, just tell you a quick story.
1: So, it. I don't watch any game all year, but I love the playoffs, so I start watching. They are up. I, go, sure. I, I text him the last thing. I said, hey, by the way, Marner scored, because Marner hasn't scored in fucking two years. I go, Marner scored. <laughs> I'm going to bed, and he says something like, well, it's just one game. Now, there's 10 minutes left in the game. And I said to Freddie yesterday morning, I said, I had like a Leaf fan moment. I go yeah. to bed, it's 5 nothing. When I wake up at 5, I, can't, I first thing I do is grab my phone, Wondering if they held on to win
4: (laughs) Fuck And I'm like oh oh, that's what Leaf fans Go
1: through I actually was like did the Leafs still win that Mm -hmm. game a uh, c- couple quick notes too marner looks like he's 11 kyle dubas doesn't look like she should have his fucking driver's license how young are these kids it's ridiculous
3: uh what's marner 23 or 24 know, like he, he, mm-hmm. i know he looks like he's 11 teen, how, you know? how old are your I, I kids they, he, marner's only five or six years older than your kids For mike 24. Uh, i got a 12 12 year old and a okay. 10 year old and a five yeah. year old Yeah. All right. so so like, he's a little... i know and but you know what though kids love marner because he looks like oh, yeah. them he <laughs> exactly it looks look. like, like one of they his schoolmates Adore this guy like yeah this guy should be you know going uh, you know walking to walking to school with him um i listen he is from a skill point of view he is elite here's the thing that i, I was i was told by one scout in his draft year mitch marner oh i like the sounds of that oh, wait, mitch you hear, marner. wait till you Go hear what on. it is yeah, little going. romance. Hey, Claire, start stretching. They're playing the romantic <laughs> no, that's, music on the show. <laughs> you, you no, know, that's you start stretching. That's <laughs> oh, <what. laughs> right. That's, that's a good point. Um, Marner doesn't make the right, is one scout told me. Marner doesn't make the right play. He makes the better play. Like, how many times have you watched Mitch Marner and he starts to make a play and you go, no, no, no. That's mm-hmm. the, oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's what he, okay. I'll just. Mm-hmm. I'll just take the back seat now. That's, that's
2: how Marner plays. Well, one thing I would have to ask about you, if you're so busy, how, where do you find the time to sit down for that body art that you've got there all
3: over your arms? Yeah, oh, got, I've got a little bit of addiction, both my wife and I. Uh, I mm-hmm. You know, because of COVID, I was going to get my right uh, finished up, but my artist wasn't doing anything during COVID, obviously. So all that is saved for the off season when I actually have time to to sit because the sits now. right? hours, man. Well you know what I'm getting older now so my, my pain threshold like my back I did six and a half hours one shot Jesus what? After, uh, yeah after, That's about ridiculous. Two, after about two and a half hours it starts to get spicy my pain yeah. threshold now Freddie is so bad it's <laughs> hey so Jeff embarrassing.
1: listen man someday yes. and that day may never come yeah we'll call upon you to do a service.
3: <laughs> Jeff Merrick This is the wedding speech This is great Thank you Thank All you right. Don Howard You come Thank to you me You
1: come to us On the day of our daughter's wedding And this is you You ask us for a favor Jeff Merrick Hosting Sportsnet 32 uh, Thoughts The podcast And now the Jeff Merrick show Is back on uh, 590 The fan I think that's still What they're calling it And and listen I know you're going to be Running and gunning now Until the end of this thing But if you wouldn't mind Popping back in Maybe in Whatever the middle you want
3: I owe you guys my career whenever you want.
1: Well, listen, that... I- that's very sweet of you to say, and yet we've never seen one dime. But anyway, well, I'd like to
2: see—I'd like to see what's tattooed on his back, actually. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, or my butt. aw and W1H butt cheeks when I bend over and says, "Wow." <laughs> At this point, Fred and I, our
1: backs just filled with old guy moles that our grandchildren connect and make little shapes out of. Uh, Jeff Merrick uh, from Sportsnet, uh, uh, always a pleasure, shit. my friend.
3: Thanks, uh, boys.
1: Let yourself out, and we'll tell you that Jeff Merrick was our Gig Guy guest of the day today. Go to Gigs Sky. GigSky.com. Of course, you know what to do. Download the app for Android or iOS, IRS, and enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. Of course, I've been mentioning the travel rewards. You know, it's really pretty cool. If you're a GigSky member, you can get 50% cash back on hotels, rental cars. You can even book your theme park adventure directly through your GigSky account. GigSky.com. Uh, we really have been uh, so lucky to be supported by so many uh, wonderful people, and they appreciate you supporting them. com is how you do it. Promo code is HF2022. Now here's Frederick John Jim Richard. Frederick Richard. John Richards. Here's Fred Richards.
2: Uh, looking at the line on Bodog. You're oh, yeah. Leafs favorite. Minus 135 for a Leaf win. All right. Uh, rather significant, the over-under on the game. Six and a half goals. Will that be uh, beat tonight? It, it wasn't the other night, actually, because it was a similar line, and there were only five goals scored all by your Toronto uh, Maple Leafs uh Bodog you know they've been around since 1994 uh, whether it's a sport uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan a poker a casino player Bodog your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry leading odds world class sports book and feature rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book yeah they've been providing canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience for over two decades almost 3 Bodog
1: 1972, the music on the show today. This is Jerry Rafferty when he was with a band called Steeler's Wheel. You guys remember this song? I always thought it was so clever. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Stuck in the middle. A lot of great music from uh, 1972. Some that I would
0: remember from being a uh, disc jockey. Yeah, Candy, uh, the Candyman was also from 72, right? I love the Candyman. It was Candyman? I loved Candyman.
1: Um, well, before I played Candyman, this was uh, sort of my introduction to this band. This is how I kind of like, oh yeah, this guy's a cool, man. Plus, I love this song because it had a long intro. I could do the weather, the funeral announcements, mm-hmm. maybe give a couple local Moose Jaw hockey scores. hmm Shout out Candy to Candyman was my
2: go-to at karaoke I don't know if I could still pull that off oh, I, I bet you could I bet you could. I don't you know Can't read the words anymore what? I well, you never know. knew no, the I... words, yeah. yeah It was all the body action that I had All the gestures of Candyman Oh, you
0: had a routine mm-hmm. Yeah, of course I you did I would have loved
2: to see that um, You didn't? No. Oh. Oh <laughs> Well,
0: we'll have to get that song up and going uh, mm-hmm. now, that, now that Spotify has the lyrics section Sure oh, it does that is so cool Hey Candyman Alright everybody
2: Gather around The Candyman is here
1: the A bit creepy you When want? you think about it Come on the kids oh, yeah. Candyman's here There was a lot of that Back then mm-hmm. And of course When a, a A man like When Sammy Davis Jr. Shows up You know All the little kids Aren't gathering around in
4: 1972 a to, uh, the candy man. The candy man. What a the fun candy song. Man You know can. what that's from
2: by the way Willie out was it? Can, yeah. it,
4: with and
1: in it Sammy Davis Jr. of course had the I think the most famous version of it But there was another guy From the late 60s, early 70s Whose name I don't know why I remember A guy named Anthony Newley yeah who I did remember. a version of this song.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny. when you'd go to karaoke, you know there were certain songs that all karaoke establishments would have. so this some this one was actually hit and miss sometimes for whatever reason. But when they had it, it <laughs> well, was fun, Fredman. People would just sing along. Yeah. It was great. Oh, moments in the
0: sun. Dan, what's your karaoke uh, song by the way? Uh, well, I, you know, I've been a while since the, the karaoke. I, it would have been like, uh, it had to be you. Oh.
1: Now that, that song. That you would, would be, do a good version of that. Hmm? I said you would do a good version of that because yeah. you have a beautiful voice. Um, well, thank you. My uh, karaoke song has always been the Joe Cocker song, You Are So Beautiful, mm-hmm. because uh-huh. I can kind of do a gravelly voice, you know? And all, it's really all you need to do to get people go, oh, he sounds just like you know, <laughs> Jokaka. You, uh, you know, that voice. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's yeah. funny, because
1: I, I, I never really liked the song that much, but I liked the fact that it was available at karaoke, and when I was drunk, I would do it.
2: Mm-hmm. You could gravel it up, yeah.
0: Um, hey, for the summer series, maybe you should do a karaoke show.
2: Do they still have karaoke at places?
0: Oh, oh yeah, it was huge. Oh, do they? Do they still well, have places? <laughs> they still have places where you go sing karaoke, and then a lot but of them are still just places. Like, but a lot of them are like rooms, so it's not like a whole club. It's like you book a room and then you go do your own little karaoke, like private karaoke. Room. I'll tell you who loves private karaoke. it.
1: Karaoke, yeah. Spencer and her chums, their chums, do karaoke all the time. They love it. It's like become. I think it's kind of come back as a. You know, a thing that the young people do. Here's another great one from
4: 72.
3: Uh,
4: yeah,
2: lots of great songs. Doll used to sing that to me. It has to be you, I think I smell poo. That was her little parody song to me whenever I'd fired. Yeah. yeah. That's cute. I bet you she's saying it this way. It had to be
1: you. It had to be. You. It had to be you. <laughs> Spoken word kind of thing.
0: <laughs> <clears throat>
2: I think um, I smell
1: poo. I think I smell poo. <clears throat> it's got to be you. Uh, all right. Listen, I got to most mm. I got tomorrow on the show. We're going to do uh, all the uh, emails that we've gotten so far. If you do want to get a couple of comments on. And I, again, we don't really look at the Facebook stuff till after. But Humble and Fred at Humble and Fred Radio. No. Yeah, humble and fred at humbleandfredradio.com is our mutual email. Uh, tomorrow we'll talk about Chappelle. Are you going to talk about Chappelle now? We're going to do it tomorrow. He got attacked on stage. Uh, yeah. Let's do that tomorrow. Also, I, I uh, want to run something by you guys tomorrow that happens to me uh, uh, that I, I find is one of the leading causes of wasted time. And uh, I'm going to bring that up. Dan, are you, uh, do you want me to play this theme now or when you're doing the news?
0: uh whenever i just uh, has nothing to do with the news i just thought uh, we haven't really acknowledged the day it well, is as, today as part so to of the speak.
3: news we will but first here's no here's to a fella named Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell a big wang the quintessential anchor man his voice is nice and low <laughs> huh. Dandoran the Eggman comes, and asks for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low.
4: Dandoran the man's here, he's grown to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. Big wang. My
1: voice is nice and low. <laughs> and now, live from a trailer, somewhere in the wilderness, overlooking a lake. The kind of life that, uh, One can only dream of. Mm. And now with Humble and
0: Fred News, brought to you by Hush Blankets. Here's Dan Duran. As the loons call in the background, there is an extreme years-long climate change inducing drought in the southwestern United States. Lake Mead, the reservoir of the Hoover Dam, is one of the largest man-made lakes in the world. And it's 146 feet below its peak. As the water level goes from the year 2000, it's predicted to drop another 34 feet by the end of 2023. So if you killed a man and put him in a barrel and threw him into a lake back in the 70s, well, the lake's drying up. Mm. So (laughs) that's what they're finding. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dead bodies. Are they really yeah. Yes. Last weekend, police found a barrel with a man, a barrel of a man, and uh, predict there are more to come. They don't know who it is yet, but based on the clothing, they think it was from the 70s or maybe the 80s, and they uh, he was found on the current shoreline, which is about, it would have been when they dropped him in the in the water, it would have been about 200 feet out from the shoreline, and fairly deep, obviously, mm-hmm. about 146 feet deep, or, or deeper, uh, but... Uh, that's uh, th- and then they're saying that as it continues to drop, like I said, another 34 feet in the next couple of years, they're probably going to find more of this. It'd be a great, uh, great spot to get one of those, uh, you know, those uh, metal detectors and do the shoreline walk. And yeah, look like a dweeb. Yeah, just
1: just imagine if you were a murderer, you know, back in the day, the last thing you'd ever think of is you know, climate change could be something. <laughs> no, but like, think about it, would never yeah. have imagined.
2: Is that the reason the lake is going down?
0: Yeah, it's uh, because of the drought, because of climate change, and mm-hmm. uh, it's all they've dammed up the Colorado River, and it's. Uh, well, what it's other Colorado reasons could flow. there be?
2: Well, I I can get, tell you a little story. When I was in Panama City Beach, Florida, this year, we went over to a place that was well known. I can't even remember the town, well known for its its oysters, and uh, they have a trouble getting oysters. And the reason why the river used to be the perfect condition for these oysters. But in Atlanta, they started using this river more for drinking water Mm -hmm. because Atlanta had grown to such an extent and they were pulling so much from the river that affected the level of the river down in Florida and it was affecting... The growth and the development of these oysters. And I, I just found that to be a fascinating story. So right off the top, when I hear something like that, I think, well, is it beyond climate change or could it be something else? That's all. Well, it's so massive and there's such a drought going on. That's
0: why they're yeah. attributing it to the uh, the climate change. And there's a lot of water from that dam that goes to uh, Arizona wa- uh, uh, farmers. And mm-hmm. that's where most of the water is
2: consumed. In a oh. desert, they irrigate, mm-hmm. and it's kind of yeah. weird, but yeah. I, uh, I've been in the bowels of that dam, the Hoover Dam. I took the tour where you go right down to where all the mechanics are. It's, uh, it's quite fascinating. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it would be fascinating the sheer
0: scale yes. of the machines that must be it down is. there, like just wildly. Eh? When you're it's in the crazy. bowels, can you look up? On the dam? Do they take you out to a little patio or something? And,
2: uh, I can't and, remember. I just remember <laughs> all the
0: machinery down there. What and kind of patio
1: do you they think was. they have? Like where they serve drinks on the patio? Said, would you like some a cocktail while you're looking at the dam? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I don't know. It seems like a way to make a little bit of money. I'm surprised that nobody has
1: made a bowel joke at this point. Why, why aren't we talking about the... What, what, they should offer a tour of your bowels. There'd be no fucking patio in that.
2: It had to be you. you. <laughs> I think I smell poo. How about that?
1: I like it. I thought you were going to say it had to be Jew. I think he made poo. Uh, Listen, uh, Dan pointed out, and I'd forgotten, even though I'd put it on our show description today. Today is May the 4th, and, you know, for a long time now, I can't remember where it started. All Star Wars people make it all. (laughs) It's very cool, actually. (laughs) It's an acapella group doing their version of the Star Wars thing.
2: Wow.
0: What a beautiful voice. That
1: sounds like you in the background friend.
2: This is fascinating, but I wouldn't want a whole hour or two of it. No, would you? No,
1: no. I'm good for one or two acapella songs, and I have Same to go. Here. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you know, I, then I, I always I think, it. let's move on.
1: Always think, why don't you guys grab a guitar or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> Maybe a piano. Throw exactly some music in think. there.
1: Like you have access to instruments, it's not like you're on a fucking desert island. Get a fucking are you, uh, banjo. Yeah,
3: are you? Are you
1: that fucking cheap by guitar? <laughs> That's what I always think. This acapella is great, but it would be great with some music behind it. All right. So there you go. Uh, So far, uh, Dan, I know you're not done yet, but I do want to make mention that our brand new sponsor is all about the, the sleep that you're getting. The reality is a lot of people struggle with sleep. Hush is here to help. Hush. Carries uh, pillows and sheets, and of course, their best selling weighted blankets and mattresses. They even have their iced technology, which keeps you cool all night long, and their iced weighted blanket and their mattress. If you're looking to improve your nightly rest, hush is the answer. I'll tell you right now go ahead and I'll give you the promo code in a second, but just want this to register. They have a 100 night guarantee on all their products. Try it out, use it, you don't like it after a hundred nights if you don't like it send it back all right it's a great way to show those that you love that you care you know you've heard of the hush blanket now's the time to get it hushblankets.com the promo is h-u-m-b-l-e for 10 off h-u-m-b-l-e gets you 10 percent off hushblankets.com hush daniel will you be uh Favoring us with one more story, or are you done? Yeah, I like. To, I'd like to favor you. With here on. comes Dan Durant. Oh, you have more ready, or yeah? Just uh, yes, let's no, get let's Dan wrap it up, and then we'll yeah. uh, figure out some uh, other stuff
0: here. Here's Dan a Durant. tip: if you're a politician, don't watch porn in Parliament. Hmm. In the UK, there's a guy named a British MP, uh, Neil Parrish is his name. He was suspended uh, from Prime Minister Boris Johnson's Conservative Party last Friday, and then after that, he he resigned on Saturday. After admitting he twice viewed pornography on his phone in the House of Commons in Mm. a moment of madness. Oh. So, Neil Parrish, is a farmer, said uh, the first time he had viewed the explicit material, he stumbled across it. I don't even understand how this could happen, but uh, he stumbled across it by accident when looking for tractors on a website with a similar name, and then watched it for a bit, which he shouldn't have done. Was it? What, what, what do you mean? Like, Cock Tractors was part of <laughs> <laughs> tractor titties was part of the, hmm. search. the uh, getting from searching for tractors right. to watching mm-hmm. tractor porn. Sure. Uh, well,
1: maybe know. there are. Maybe there's a whole section of tractor porn. Maybe yeah, naked girls on tractors, you know, doing yeah. driving people tractors. fucking in a combine. Pretty nice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Just odd timing, eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's full yeah. of shit. He was probably bored, snotless, yeah. sitting there. And then chose to do that. Weird timing.
0: Yeah. And he said his biggest crime was the other occasion. The second time that it was deliberate that he was watching. He was waiting to vote on the side of the chamber. Right. I guess it gets boring. <laughs> and so <He> was like, <laughs> the second time he's like, you know, that tractor porn was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I'll go
4: back go and it give it a second look.
0: Yeah. Who's the
4: tractor you know, porn buffing. honey of the day?
0: Yeah,
2: got to check that front end loader out. That <laughs> you right. know, and as long as the you know the people participating are consenting in pornography, it's interesting how that is so shocking. Yet he could be sitting there watching, you know, some movie, some war movie where people are getting blown to bits yeah. and their heads blown off and fucking <laughs> cannon shoved up their ass, and nobody would think anything of it. a hey, um, destruction! Uh, but don't watch those people making love, well, especially on
1: a tractor. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> Uh, I know we're not watching movies anymore because summer 's finally here. But uh, best friend Dave, who has COVID, by the way, I think I told Fred off here. Dan, Dave White's got the COVID. It's oh, got the really? Bed. Yeah, you got all bit it surrounded. Wow, no, know, I know. Uh, anyways, BFD sent me a recommend. I watched it last night. It was so good, and it's only ninety minutes. It's a movie called, and it's a Netflix movie called Old Henry, and it's uh, it's got uh, that guy that we like. <laughs> Good old Henry, old, old Henry. Henry. Um, yeah. but it's a nine not it's Henry not Henry Fonda. Fonda. Oh, okay, but it's uh, it's uh, this I got. How um, old is the old yeah, guy Tim, that we like? Tim Blake Nelson, <laughs> mm. Tim Blake Nelson, and uh, it's a, just an old fashioned western with a cool ending. And it was over in ninety three minutes, and I I was going to send David you Owen. Know, you guys would like it if you're looking just something a ninety minute or beginning, middle, and an end, easy to understand, very cool movie. Ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, if that means so, yeah. anything to you guys.
2: Um, the last seven, I've owned into, into it three. The last seven of Ozark, not it's dragging for me. I'm having trouble. <laughs> Yeah,
1: it plods along a little bit. It's not really
2: happening for me, man. Well, I'll tell you,
1: when you get to the end, we can have a discussion because I've got some notes here. I've been gathering some research about how it's been received. So I don't want to color it for you, but I felt the same way, Fred. Mm. I felt the same way, but it starts to kind of like the series. And then also we've got some email tomorrow. Talking about the Ozark symbols. By the way, did you see the symbol now? Yes. Okay. Yes. So one of our listeners uh, heard that. Right. And tomorrow we're going to explain. Uh, actually, we got some uh, audio from Jason Bateman tomorrow explaining the
2: symbols and right. and yeah. all that stuff. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, I had enough of Ruth uh, screaming and. um hmm. Uh, <laughs> And Jason Bateman's sort of like almost unreasonable demeanor of calmness through it. Yeah, it's like I thought.
1: It's like one tone. He's got one tone, and and I'm not a big. I've never been a big Laura Linney fan. The wife, I just can't stand her. I think
2: that was a horrible miscast, personally. I
1: I, and it's funny because when you hear Bateman talk about her, I know we're doing this now, and we got her. But when you, I mean, I know apparently in the world she's considered an amazing actress, really. But I just don't like her in that role, and I've never really been big on her. Um, Guys, we got to get going. Fred, do you have anything left?
2: Yes, I do, Howard. You know, when I click right on it, this is what I see immediately. We had been with our previous provider for years, and their prices were gradually increasing every year with nowhere near the coverage that we now have with Chambers Plan. Just an indication of how small businesses have found the Chambers Plan and how it works for them. Go to chamberplan.ca, get all the information you need about all sorts of coverages. Uh, be it, uh, you know, uh, medicine, prescription, and uh, dental and uh, therapies, uh, the, the teledoc system, the travel insurance they have, which is really fantastic. It's over the top, really. It's the Chamber Plan. Get a free quote today chamber, chamberplan.ca. And of course,
1: 1972, uh, look back, wouldn't be complete without Looking Glass. Boom, 97.3. to play it too much longer but one of my favorite lines in this song is my life my love and my lady is the sea (laughs) that's why the sailors saying brandy you're a fine girl but i'm married to the sea which is just an excuse that sailors give because they're gonna go off and fuck somebody else in another port no no brandy i'd marry you if i wasn't going off to fuck uh, other brandies in other ports
2: that's right. You ever been to Sea billy <laughs>
1: That's right. You ever seen... Hey, hey, listen, when you're in that porch, you got to check out this Brandy girl. All you got to do is bring her a little trinket. Here we go. Here's the line.
2: There
4: you go.
1: My life, my love, and my lady. It's a lot. Uh, before we go too, let's uh, not forget That uh, even though Freddie's talked about uh, This already, I want you
3: to hear it From them during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work Instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard You know it's time to play It's easy to find your next favorite game At Bodog.net Play free casino games, get poker tips And check out the latest sports odds Visit Bodog.net today Hashtag make a play.
1: Thanks to Jeff Merrick. What a great guest. And Scott Morrison yesterday. Awesome. Uh, tomorrow, uh, our guest is uh, no one. Uh, Dan Duran, of course, will be here. Um, we'll be reading a bunch of your emails and some of the feedback from the program. And, of course, Toronto Mike popping in. Have a great Wednesday. Uh, Leafs and uh, Tampa Bay tonight. Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fucking... <laughs>
1: No, I when I text you tonight I wanted to come back and you can go tippy <laughs>
2: Well, I'm off the J's
0: now. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Dog, Health Gauge, and, and our newest to sponsor, Hush Blanket, with their 100-night the guarantee. The I'm Dan Duran, and remember to listen tomorrow. No guests, but lots of January.
2: fun. Like and subscribe. Turn tables around the microphone. Bottles and cans that just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's